holidays and welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast on how comics and pop culture impact life and society and vice versa. Coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas, I'm Kevin. And from Indiana, the Hoosier State, I am Sean. Before we get started with this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and follow us on social media under the username at Caption Life on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Reddit. You can also find out more information about us and past episodes at our website, thecaptionlife.com. That's right. Hey, uh, Sean, knock, knock. Who's there? Justin. <laughs> Justin who? Just in time for Christmas, it's a festive holiday edition of the Caption Live. Nice. I couldn't I couldn't pass up opportunity for a bad joke to kick off the show. That was definitely bad. <laughs> hey, but it is the Christmas season and it's our last episode of 2021 and we're getting into mm-hmm. the spirit of Christmas with our colorful attire, our, yes. our nearly matching um ninja turtles christmas t-shirts yep and we did not Uh, plan this at all like (laughs) we just happened to be wearing the same kind of shirt yeah (laughs) and i've got i've got a a cup of hot cocoa right here off screen and you know the only thing that's missing that to make this feel like christmas is nostalgia (laughs) Uh, so what we're going to do today on today's episode is we're going to take a little trip down memory lane with something we like to call was it great or were we eight Christmas right. edition. Yep. <laughs> Sean and I are going to discuss some of our favorite pop culture hallmarks of Christmas's past and decide if they've stood the test of time or our memory is in decline. <laughs> or both. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about some of our favorite Christmas toys, movies, and shows and decide if they were actually really great or we were just eight, which I can now vouch for as a father. When you are eight, everything is awesome. That's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, to kick this off, I thought maybe I could share some tidbits about Christmas and the holiday season. How's that sound? I would love some interesting tidbits about Christmas and the holiday season. Let's do this. So, did you know that Jingle Bells holds the Guinness World Record for the first song ever played in outer space? I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was Is really that a record though? Like is it a Guinness Book of World Records for like first song played in outer space? It is recorded under the Guinness oh. World Record, yes. Uh, you'd think like it would be something like the the song played most in outer space. But but I I mean there's a <laughs> and when it comes to space, the time period that we're talking about, there was a first or a lot of firsts. So Right. Well and this is first for Earth, right? Like maybe there is a different song, you know, that another planet extraterrestrials it's probably a klingon <laughs> christmas carol <laughs> oh that'd be awesome if it was yeah. yeah yeah but this is uh the first song ever played in outer space is jingle bells because it was around christmas time so uh what do you think is the most popular christmas holiday song um i i'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's it's that stupid mariah carey all i want for christmas is you because it That's seems exactly to be, right yeah it seems like every year it like jumps back to the top of like the billboard charts yeah yep it definitely yeah so you're right on that it's considered the most popular song uh around the holidays i want to go back to the jingle bells thing and okay. th- we, we could do something and challenge mariah carey 
Like the Klingon <laughs> Christmas Carol seems like something that may be an untouched marketplace. What if, what <laughs> a if very, we got very together, specific niche. <laughs> what if we, but, but I'm, hear me out. What if we got together and we, we created an album of Christmas carols that were sung in like nerd pop culture languages, like Klingon and Dothraki and <laughs> um, like Elvish from Lord of the Rings. And I don't know what else we, um, I mean, if you want to learn I, those languages, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that we, I'm saying that we find people who know those languages. We're just like the executive producers behind the scene. Yeah, they make the most money anyway. Right, right. We could, we could do something with this. (laughs) That sounds good. Like if the if the chipmunks if the chipmunks could have an album that sold like you know all I want for what is it the me I want a hula hoop uh, right Christmas Christmas don't be late yeah Christmas don't be late there you go. then we could make money off of our off of our Christmas album. Right. Yeah. Uh the world's first Christmas card was auctioned in two thousand one for over twenty eight thousand dollars. And I think it's technically it was twenty thousand pounds because it was auctioned off in the UK, I believe, but twenty eight thousand dollars for the world's first Christmas like known card. Christmas card. Right. Yeah, that's in existence. Yeah. Do we know who sent it? Uh, yeah, so the website where I found this information at um, is actually a really uh, decorated card, and it was lithographed and sold at a shilling each. Um, let's see here. It was sent by Sir Henry Cole, who was a, a Bath-born businessman, and he sent it to his grandmother in 1843. And was hand colored by London illustrator John Calcott Horsley. Okay. Yeah. So, That's a lot of stuff that I had never heard before. I know. Yeah. Same here. I wonder what's the most expensive Christmas card ever like auctioned off. Like it was something like like royalty sent out or like it's got to be something like, auctioned off. Like something like the most val- like if you had a Christmas card that was really really valuable. Like who would it be from and who would it be to? Right. Well, I mean, I think this would be it. Right. <laughs> No, but I'm saying like there's that was the first one, but like what if there was no, one? No, this that is was the most valuable? expensive too. It just happens oh, to be okay. the first one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is the most expensive, but it was also the first one. Yes. Like like a Christmas card from Elvis to President Nixon. Like that <laughs> It's gonna have it's gonna be signed by Elvis. So right. like it's I don't know. I think there's gotta be something else out there. <laughs> um what is the highest grossing Christmas slash holiday movie of all time? That's a tough one. Yeah. Because there is a couple that that are up there that people think about. I think, see, I think of things like, okay, so like Titanic came out like in like Christmas time, but it's not a Christmas movie. Right. So I, I have a hard time separating those two. I'd be interesting to hear what this is. It is Home Alone. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. And it has made over $285 million. It seems like that number would be higher. Uh, well, I mean, like it's an original in its original run. You think? No, I think this is of all time. So all the okay. money it's made of all time, basically. So, um, but I mean, again, this is this is holiday, so it's not movie of all time. This is specifically holiday movie of mm-hmm. all time. Which I mean, those kinds of movies always make money. Don't get me wrong. And, mm-hmm. um. But yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is probably just, you know, over, uh, I had to look and see where I got this from, but I wonder if this is just theater release or if this also includes like, uh, 
I think this is just made in the theaters. So this doesn't include um, like DVD or streaming or anything like that. So, yeah. Oh, that's that's 285 is it's it's gross in the United States. At the time, it grossed another 191 million worldwide for a total of 476 million, which in 1990s is a lot of money. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, this just says lifetime gross. It doesn't say, um, it doesn't say like where at specifically or anything. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember it being a huge cultural phenomenon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. Did you know that Jingle Bells was originally written as a Thanksgiving song? Nope. Yes. But it, it does make sense because I would think that like back when Jingle Bells was written, it was probably less likely. You were probably less likely to travel at Christmas because the weather would be worse. Well, I mean. So it, dashing you, through the snow in a one horse open sleigh. Right. I mean, if you go through the lyrics, like there's nothing in there that says, you know, Christmas yeah. or even alludes to any sort of holiday. But the mm-hmm. it was originally written as a Thanksgiving song for a um, for a church uh, as a church hymn than anything else. So, um, hmm. and the last fact I'll share here is 1.3 billion holiday cards are sent every year. That is a lot. And that is good news for the, uh, card, like the card making industry <laughs> and the postal, the postal service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I get a lot of like fan mail, at Christmas time, a lot of people send me Christmas cards. So that's probably a good portion of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's it. <laughs> so, yep. So those are the Christmas holiday tidbits for you. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about our memories of, of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about the things that we loved as kids, but do you have like an earliest memory of, of Christmas? Um, well, now you put me on the spot because I haven't thought about this. So <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you mine while you think about it. Okay. So 1989, 1988 or 1989 was the right. year that we got a Nintendo. Oh, nice. So yeah, like, <laughs> but I will say this and maybe you can, maybe you can back me up on this. Mm-hmm. Nintendo came out when we were kids and, um, I don't ever remember like my parents like setting up the Nintendo like they gave us the box and they were like, okay, you go play with it. And maybe that's why people who are our age are like so good with technology because our parents were crap. Like they couldn't even set the clock on the, um, on the VCR. And they <laughs> like all of a sudden we had this great technological gift and we had to like learn how to like plug it in and, right. you know, blow into the game and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. Like we learned, like we learned by doing with technology. And I think the, like getting the Nintendo when I was seven years old was a huge part of that. Right. Uh, so. I will say that was not my experience because my dad being a really smart uh, mechanic growing up, I'm, I'm like he was fixing lawnmowers and selling them when he was 12. He was kind of like Ron Swanson in, in that regard, mm-hmm. right? Um, he always did all the, you know, a- anything around the house or electronics or anything like that. He was the person that always did that. So mm-hmm. he always set it up for us. But I think it it, it is interesting thinking about – how in this day and age, like if we want to know how to fix something or do something um, in that regard, we always look it up on Google or watch a YouTube video, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. before we had this, I find it really interesting how everybody back then knew that if there was something going on with Nintendo and it wasn't working right, that you had to blow into the cartridge. And now I'm wondering 
how did we all as a society know to do that right like how do people come around and figure out that's what you're supposed to do so yeah that's what we should be investigating that's that's going to be a new (laughs) maybe it's printed in an instructional manual or something like that i'm guessing that i'm guessing that it wasn't but like how important were instructional manuals back then uh, I'm, that, I'm, I'm sure it was more important back then than it is now because yeah, because everything's evo- online. Well, everything's online, and the evolution of how people write instructional manuals has been to the point to where they've been more succinct. Like, like when you look at IKEA instructional manuals, it's usually like mm-hmm. a piece of paper. There's no words on it, so that way you don't have to print different languages or anything. It's just mm-hmm. pictures and all that. Whereas I think back then it's like people did use instructional manuals, unless you're my dad, because he never did that until he got mm-hmm. to a point where you literally can't figure it out. And then he would look at it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, for sure. Um, we apologize for for devolving into talk about instructional manuals on this very special <laughs> episode of the Caption Live. We got right. a little bit off topic there. But you know what? We're. The the Nintendo was one of my was one of my favorite Christmas presents as a kid. It was not my favorite. Uh, right. The one that I have the most fondest memory of uh, was, as a kid it has to do with Transformers. Okay, there you go. Transformers. Uh, I was born in eighty two. Transformers came out in eighty four mm-hmm. um, as a toy, and I was um, a huge Transformers fan. I still am. I. I was in at Universal Studios last week and riding the Transformers ride there. Still as fun as the first time I, I ever rode it. Um, mm-hmm. And I I love the fact that like my daughter loves Transformers. She thinks they're cool. She likes cars because of Transformers. Nice. Like there you go. she's a car chick. Um, <laughs> but Transformers were great, and like the first Transformers, like I'm and. Like I remember Transformers and, and Voltron had the same the same feature. They were actually made out of like die cast metal. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So like the first Transformers were real heavy. They smelled yeah, yeah. like they smelled like nickels. Uh yep. they smelled like metal. Mm-hmm. And they were real heavy and they were super they were super sturdy. Uh and they were just so unique because they were cars and planes and things like that that transformed into something else. Right. But here's the here's the thing where my memory goes to about Transformers as a kid and something that I wish we had now or wish they I mean I guess with the way licensing works they probably have stuff like this but I had um a a licensed Transformer sleeping bag that I got for Christmas one year. Yeah, yeah. And and I desperately now wish that they had like licensed things like that for like adults. Right. <laughs> and and they have like adult like footed pajamas and things like that. Now that like you could be Spider-Man if you want to and things like that. But I realize now like, like transformers sleeping bag was something that I really, really loved as a kid. And I kind of wish that they had, uh, I kind of wish that they had that stuff like now that, that, because I remember, um, like having it like laid out on the floor and that's where I would like play with all of my transformers and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So, um, for me as a kid, Transformers was uh, the pinnacle. Um, you know, the the Nintendo rates pretty high up there. But for me, like because I guess it was always part of my childhood. Um, right. It's probably something that I got a Transformer for my birthday every now and again, or I got one for Christmas and whatnot. That that mm-hmm. seems to stick out of my memory as something that was pretty important. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I think that I think there are a lot of people out there who probably agree with you, and and uh, I I. 
I feel like I was casually into Transformers. I wasn't like super gung ho in it. I think it was just one mm-hmm. of those things that you know you saw and like, oh, that looks really cool. But I never really got into it. But I remember having. Um, I don't think I had the Transformers sleeping bag, but I remember seeing that as a kid. Either my friends had it or I seen it in the store. And I remember having a couple Transformer that, you know, exactly how you describe it, where it was made out of metal and it was heavier than what you probably have now and everything. So I think it's definitely for, you know, people, um, you know, who are millennials are definitely remember that as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, for me, this is actually... I don't know how popular this is, especially when I do a Google search for this. I don't see a whole lot of things come up necessarily, but this was definitely something that I would describe as part of my Christmas holiday experience in my family mm-hmm. growing up. And it is this uh, Christmas decoration thing called Mr. Christmas Mickey Marching Band Musical Bells. Have you ever heard okay. of seeing this? No, I haven't. Okay, so this is something that I remember vividly. My mom would always put up on top of what she called the library, which is really just like a three um, a three shelf uh, bookshelf that had like some glass casing on it. But on top mm-hmm. of it, it was probably like you know four feet tall. And on top of it, she would put like a little red knitted um, you know shelf quilt over it, and then she would put the Mickey Mouse marching band musical bells on top of it, and it had. Um, a lot of the Mickey Mouse characters, um, you know, Pluto, Goofy, Mickey, Minnie, Daisy Duck, Donald Duck, and mm-hmm. they would all be, you know, wearing a, a Santa hat and holding a mallet and they would hit a bell and each one, you know, had a particular bell that they hit. And when you play it, they would hit the bells and play a, t- a, a Christmas song tune. And so it would play like, I think, Jingle Bells and Deck the Halls and things like that. I remember just growing up, that was something I always loved uh watching and listening to and playing that all the time. It was just something that I would just sit there and, and watch for the longest time around Christmas. So I absolutely love that. And that's something that I know I would, my, I was asking my mom about this a few years ago and apparently she doesn't know what happened to it. She doesn't know if she like has a stored somewhere we can't find it or if she ended up like giving it a goodwill or something like that. But I desperately want to try to find like two sets, one for me to have, but also one to give like back to her because that was such a huge part of our like upbringing and we don't even, um, and, and they sold their house and moved somewhere else now. So we don't even go back to our house for our childhood, you know, Christmas and to relive that at all or anything like that. So that would be such a great gift tech. Give my mom one year for Christmas, but they're like selling on eBay for like 150 bucks for that. Sort yeah, of I, thing. I just looked like, it up. Mickey's yeah. marching band thing. Like I totally want it now too. Cause it looks, <laughs> it looks amazing and it looks like it would be a lot of fun to watch. Like we yeah. have this thing that my wife got at target when she was in high school. And it's like this mm-hmm. caricature of Bing Crosby. And if you mm-hmm. press a button, he like sways back and forth and sings Bing Crosby Christmas songs. And my right. kids, my kids love it. Like I think that something like that translates to, um, uh, like to every generation that we all have this stuff. So right. No, I they, I I totally want to buy one for you now and send it to you for Christmas. <laughs> right. I got time. I've got time. So <laughs> looking looking back on Transformers and Mickey's marching band, uh, Christmas bells. Was mm-hmm. it great or were we eight? I'm going to say based on its staying power, Transformers was great. <laughs> and I'm going to say that Mickey's marching band is also great, too, because, man, it looks really cool. And yeah. <laughs> I want to play with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great for me as a nostalgic piece. Mm-hmm. 
But I bet you anything, because my wife is not a knickknack person. I bet you anything, if I brought it out for Christmas, um, she'll be like, you have to have it somewhere that is not in my eyesight. Mm-hmm. And we can only play it like, you know, certain time of, of day or whatever, because it is it is a loud bell like musical set and everything so it's not one that you want to play like in the background because it will get annoying really quick mm-hmm. but like you know christmas eve like play that sort of thing or even just you know on like in the evening or something like that it would be great but i don't think it's something that you would just you know have on the whole time otherwise you would hate it pretty quickly i think so <laughs> so i think that this- one's going to be it is great but also uh. i was eight yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there's one on sale for eBay that's in Springfield, Tennessee. Maybe that's the one that your your mom like maybe sold it at a garage sale and somebody else is not selling. Right? How much is it, it for? It's a hundred dollars and then thirty seven dollars for sure. Oh, oh my gosh! No, uh, I don't know. See if there's, it, yeah, there's more expensive ones out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Like every time I look it up, it's just like. Like the cheapest I ever saw until you just mentioned now is like one hundred and fifty dollars, and I think it it was like gone at like the next day because I was like, eh, maybe I'll that'll be like my big present or whatever. Once this podcast comes out and they get this free advertising for it, it's going to be one of the most popular toys of twenty twenty one because that's the kind of influence we have on popular culture in 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 our area. Yeah, we are the tastemakers. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, some other some other things that I uh, I thought of that I really really liked. One of the things I was going to give an honorable mention to mm-hmm. was repping my boys, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, you know, nineteen nineteen ninety when the movie came out, right. the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were also like a big thing. Um, and and like, look, they've had they've had staying power as well because we're both wearing um, a t shirt with the Ninja Turtles on it. Uh, yep. Thirty years, thirty years later. So, um, oh, yeah. and we're going to talk about them uh, in the game that we're going to play a little bit later because they were one of the most popular presents during that time period or popular toys. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, but we're going to put a pin in that and come back to it. Um, now, I, I want to talk about one of my favorite Christmas like TV um, specials as a kid, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the stuff that that we were. A lot of the stuff from the 80s, especially, and, and for the most part, we probably don't remember a lot of the stuff that was 80s specific um, because our consciousness probably starts like in the in the late 80s, especially. Right. Um, so we're we're on that the the cusp of between being 80s kids and 90s kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of it now you realize that the things that were created for television back in the time period was just a, a commercial to sell the toys. Like He-Man Masters of the Universe was essentially a series meant to sell the toys. G.I. Joe, same thing. Right. Um and still to and, this day. <laughs> and and honestly, honest to goodness, there are those kind of things kinda suck. Like if you look back on it, they don't necessarily um hold up. And I wouldn't debate somebody. Um, about like their staying power because honest to goodness in 2021, I can't force myself to watch a whole episode because it's just too cringe to me. Right. Um, but one of the things that I love that came from that time period, um, is from 1983 and it is a Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yes. Uh, it's my favorite version of, um, the classic Charles Dickens tale. Mm -hmm. Uh, and 
And here's the thing, my consciousness, I don't remember seeing it or I don't remember being aware of who Scrooge McDuck was oh, yeah. until until DuckTales came along. Right, right. So the way I remember it, DuckTales was already a thing. And then I saw Mickey's Christmas Carol and I was like, oh, it's amazing that Scrooge McDuck was born to play this role of <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge. Like it's in his name. <laughs> right. And it just didn't it didn't click to me that. Scrooge McDuck, like, like, like that's where his name came from. Like as a child, I was just like, he's a great actor and he's playing this role that he was born to play. (laughs) Um, But the Mickey's Christmas Carol is, it's full of nostalgia. It's full of our favorite Disney characters. Mm -hmm. Um, By far Goofy's most serious role ever in a, in a film was as um, uh, Jacob Marley. Right. Um, but one of the things that it sticks out to me so much, besides the fact that I love it, um, Tiny Tim with a little bitty Mickey Mouse, Tiny Tim, and 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 Scrooge McDuck, like all these things, um, is the Ghost of Christmas Past is this giant that they've used in Disney animation. Mm-hmm. Um, the if you look back, I guess it's Jack and the Beans, the Jack and the Beanstalk giant. They kind of use the same model to to do the Ghost of Christmas Pass mm-hmm. um, for the the um, for the for the movie, um, but if you look back all the way to um, the brave the brave little tailor, which is from 1938, which is like a, just a year after ten years ten years into Mickey's life, just a year after um, Snow White and the Seven Doors, they did this short film called The Brave Little Tailor, where where Mickey faces off against a giant because he he, he gets this reputation of killing seven in one blow. But he, people thought he right. was talking about giants, but it was really flies. Right. Um, I remember seeing that. But actually. It's, yeah, it's the same. It's the same kind of basic model. The the big giant with the with the the bulbous nose and mm-hmm. and goofy grin. As a child, and even sometimes to this day, I have a reoccurring dream of that giant, like walking through the neighborhood of the home that I grew up in. Right. And I had, I lived on like a an acre plus lot that had a lot of trees on it. Mm-hmm. So I would look up from my yard and see this giant like towering above all these like fully grown trees, mm-hmm. and and he would just stop by to say hi. Like he wasn't there to like. <laughs> to be threatening or whatever. he was just our neighborhood giant. Right. And I'm almost 40 now. And I still think about that from time to time. Like <laughs> it was so vivid to me. Right. Um, but for those reasons, like Mickey's Christmas Carol stands out to me as like one of my favorite, like Christmas specials. Nice. And this isn't part of my list, but what is interesting for me to share is that, um, I have two all time favorite holiday movies. Mm-hmm. One of them is, is elf. Uh, it's mm-hmm. by far one of my favorite holiday movies, but I would say on top of that is actually a Muppets Christmas Carol. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's interesting how yours is Christmas Carol was Mickey. Then mine is, is the Muppets Christmas Carol as that and, being like our favorite. <laughs> holiday and you can movie. watch, you can watch both of them on Disney plus now, not a sponsor. Right. <laughs> right? So, but if you are listening to uh, Disney, <laughs> Disney, yeah, no, for real though, you can buy us out anytime we would right? come yeah. really <laughs> We would come very cheap to be part of the Disney family. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we would we would take just an annual pass at this point for our families. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, second on my list is actually a movie called A Christmas Story. Oh. 
Well, where did that laugh come from? Well, because I know I know you had mentioned before how you hate Christmas story and I'm I don't like, hate I'm gonna... a Christmas story. Here's the thing <laughs> is that I've never actually watched all of it. Right, right. Um because I've I've you know on T is it TBS? It's they TNT. play it for TNT. They play it for 24 hours mm-hmm. at at Christmas time at some point. They do. And I've caught bits and pieces of it and I've never I've never got the draw like like why is this this cult classic? So right. well loved, um, uh, so I don't I don't get it. Maybe I need to make a pact. We should make a pact that maybe we watch Christmas Story together this year, <laughs> like live tweet it. Oh, we should totally do that. Yeah, I'll give it its fair its fair shake. Yeah, no, let's totally do that. Well, and and I'll I'll share why it is um, a part of my childhood Christmas mm-hmm. and why it's important. And I, I think when I explain this, it'll probably make a lot more sense to you. Like why it has an impact on me the way it did than it may have for you. So the movie Christmas story is based on a book called in God, we trust all others pay cash. And it's actually, uh, if you ever read the book, it actually doesn't take place in Christmas. A lot of actually takes place over the summer, but then when they convert it to a movie, they decide that they want to put it in a Christmas theme for the whole thing. So, so a lot of it did take place over Christmas, but it was like more of a year-round thing. And so a lot of the parts of the story uh, that you see in the movie, some of it actually happened over the summer. But it takes place in Indiana, so it already has a specific you know, attention catcher for me because you don't see a lot of movies that take place in Indiana. So it was like, okay, we definitely need to watch this because this is something that we can relate to, um, you know, growing up in, in Indiana, but it was something that has always been part of our, uh, family upbringing and that we always watch it when they started doing on TNT for 24 hours, we always ran it at our house, like mm-hmm. for the longest time. Like, I think what we haven't done it for the last few years, um, at my parents' house, uh, for a number of reasons, but, you know, up until I think about five years ago, they would always have that playing uh, in the house, you know, just from the moment it started on Christmas Eve to the moment it ended on Christmas Day, basically. So mm-hmm. um, it was also the movie that got me into wanting like a BB gun, right? Because that was the big mm-hmm. thing is that Ralphie wanted a BB gun. So, like, oh man, I would love a BB gun. And of course, I, I grew up with guns. I'm no stranger to guns or anything like that because my dad had guns. We were always responsible about it and, and everything, but it was anything new to me with that. Um, but the other thing is that they actually filmed um, the outdoor scenes of the house in Cleveland, Ohio. And when I was in college, apparently some guy found out that the owner of that house was selling it on eBay and he bought the house and actually turned it into a Christmas story museum. And so my family growing up loving that movie decided that we were going to go and visit the museum. And so we all took a trip out there and stayed the night in Cleveland, Ohio, and went to the museum. And it was just fascinating. Like it, like if you know anything about holiday or Hollywood production and everything, when they do the outdoor scenes, it's never, you know, at the actual house where they do the indoor scenes. So the indoor mm-hmm. scenes is always in a stage or a studio. Mm-hmm. So when you go inside the house, you're kind of expecting it to be similar to what you see in, in the movie. And it's not like that at all, but you got to see like a lot of cool things. Like this guy spent a lot of money and in investing into creating a museum and got like all these really cool things. So now my sister has, a couple of versions of the leg lamp that's really well known from the movie. Mm-hmm. So it just ended up being like a real strong part of my upbringing that we were just always enamored.
enamored by it. We always love the jokes and stuff like that. It's always been a part of my childhood around the Christmas holidays. So, and and then of course that kid um, grew up to work for Tony Stark, and, he, and technically <laughs> a Christmas story. That's right. Maybe I should give it a bit more of a chance because Christmas story is is canon in the MCU. Yeah, yeah, and the elf in. In Will Ferrell's Elf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's in yeah. that too, right? He is. Yeah. He's he was like the lead elf in that. And you know, him and John Favreau are really good friends in real life. Yeah, that's yeah. I think that's what the connection is. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's exactly okay. right. So yeah. that's pretty great. All right. So um I'm gonna say yours, uh, is it great or where we ate is to be determined because <laughs> I need I need to give it a, a shot. But I'll let you judge I'll let you judge mine. <laughs> uh no, I mean honestly. Uh, I grew up watching Mickey's Christmas Carol all the time. And it's every year when we have Christmas, like that's one of the movies that Sarah Ryan and I watch every year. So no, it's still classic, you know? And I think it says something when you look at these movies, it's lasted a long time and there haven't been any sort of like updates to it. Right. People Mm -hmm. still watch the classic version because Mm -hmm. it's still that good. And there's not like a newer version that they put out there. Maybe they have, but it's mm-hmm. not the one that people flock to, right? And so I would mm-hmm. say that is great, not because we were eight. <laughs> and yeah, and and here's the thing: Christmas Carol has been done a thousand times, and right. there are probably five or six versions that like people love, right? right? Like mm-hmm. there was the motion capture one that they did a few years ago with uh, Jim Carrey, and somebody may think that that's the best, or the version right. that came out with Patrick Stewart. Maybe that's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there, there's a George it, C. Scott version. There's yes, a lot of right. versions. So, yeah. And yeah. and the Christmas, but the Muppets Christmas Carol one is, is, is a lot of people's favorite. And I, and I just love the Mickey Mouse one. Right. Yeah. They're both great. Um, speaking of my favorite Christmas movie mm-hmm. and they're, it, it is a classic, but mm-hmm. it is on my radar that they are, are doing either a sequel to it or an update to it. Um, and <laughs> I guess the premise still works in a modern society. Um, mm-hmm. but, and, and even I'm gonna be honest with you, my favorite Christmas movie is a Christmas movie sequel. Um, because I am more partial to home alone two than I am to <laughs> home alone. Right. Um, I think, and to me, this, the movie still holds up if you can get past the fact that, that Harry and Marv probably would would die multiple times <laughs> from, <All> right. <laughs> from Kevin McAllister's like booby traps. Right. Um, especially in the second one when Kevin McAllister chucks. Oh my gosh. Off of, that's yes. that that will kill somebody. <laughs> or the the lead pipe that went down the yeah. stairs that hit them both and the, like uh, they, they either been decapitated or permanent brain damage just from that alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um but they're so funny and they're so creative. Mm-hmm. And Home Alone came out when I was eight. Home Alone two came out when I was ten. Mm-hmm. And you you wanted to be Kevin McAllister. Oh yeah. I'll actually I'll send you a photo. You can put it up in the YouTube video of, <laughs> of me right here. Put the photo right here. I'm pointing to it. Okay. I looked like I could be Kevin McAllister when I was ten. Um now I've obviously aged and grown. <laughs> A lot. Like I wanted to be Kevin McAllister. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to build stuff that was cool like that. And Mm. I was kind of hoping that somebody would break into my house so that we could (laughs) do booby traps. Like, I think, I think all of us did that. Cause I remember planning that. Cause I I remember thinking, 
going through a catalog and wanting to get that little thing that you would go from uh, like a zip line type of thing, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, like from your house. Because I had I, I had the idea of I can put it in my window in my house and zip line it to the shed in our backyard mm-hmm. to get out if that ever happened, right? <laughs> Did you ever like do stuff like take a bucket full of something and put it at the top of your door with it kind of open <laughs> so that – so that whoever came in the door, the bucket like tipped over and I never made it that far. No. <laughs> yeah. Like I would do that stuff all the time. I had, I had a bunch of siblings so I could test that stuff out. Right. Right. On, on people. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but I, I, uh, I, I love it. I loved, um, home alone and it was a, a, a big part of it. I also mm-hmm. remember, I'll tell you this home alone too, specifically when I was in fifth grade, uh, when I was 10 in 1992, Mm-hmm. That was the year that, like, we only – I, as a, like, group of siblings, we asked for money. We did not want to um, – we did not want to get presents. We wanted to get money. Mm-hmm. So my parents gave us money, and then the next day after Christmas, we all went to the mall, um, mm-hmm. and we could buy our own stuff. And mm-hmm. I remember um, I remember at the end of the day, the four of us decided that we wanted to go see Home Alone. So we, that was, like, the first time I'd ever, like, gone to the movies and spent my own money on it. Oh, nice! Yeah, so it's 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 special for me, but it, yeah. I think it's I think it still kicks ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and what's what's funny is Home Alone Two is also on my list, but kind of for a different reason. So, is also one of my favorite movies growing up and of all time. I mean, it's, it's not my go to Christmas movie now, but it's definitely mm-hmm. has a special place in my heart as well too. I remember I was in third grade when that movie came out, and I was obsessed with it. I remember all my classmates remember me freaking out when we found out for our Christmas concert that we were going to sing a couple of the choral songs that you heard in the movie. I was like, yes, this is going to be awesome. I love this, you know? And um, so it was definitely my favorite movie growing up. But what I specifically remember that I still love, and again, kind of goes with the, you know, Mr. Christmas, Mickey Mouse, (laughs) uh, musical bells that I still wish I had was I had two gifts that year that was just, I remember being part of my childhood so well is the Home Alone book bag that Mm -hmm. I got and the talk boy that I got, Mm -hmm. which... Funny enough, I talked to Sarah about this, and she said when she was growing up, she got the talk girl. Um, so we thought that was really funny that we both, you know, had those and we loved that. But I love my book bag because if you've ever seen it or remember growing up with it, it was really cool because it looks just like the one that Kevin McAllister had, except for you know, the Home Alone Two branding on it. Mm-hmm. But then you could put some batteries in where you would un- unlatch the book bag. And if you flip the switch on and someone didn't realize it and they unlocked it, it did the Kevin McAllister scream as like it's alarm Mm -hmm. to tell you that somebody's getting in when they're not supposed to, right? So I had that bag, I think, for at least like three years. And if I didn't take it to school with me, I use it, you know, if we're going to sleepovers or whatever. But I remember loving that and loving, you know, having the talk board. I use the talk board to record stuff all the time, like Mm -hmm. even just took it up to uh, the TV while it was, you know, the movie was playing on VHS and everything. I would just record like bits and scenes and like reenact it and, and mime Mm -hmm. it and things like that. So, yeah. So I I think it's funny that we both had home alone two on that list. So, yep. Oh yeah. And the talk boy, the talk boy is going to come up later in our, in the game that we're going to play. Um, (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. So on the same topic of, cause we, like we said before, we're kind of on that cusp of being eighties kids, nineties kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm undecided on a Christmas story. Okay. Right, I'm going right. to give it, it's, I'm going to give it a fair shot this holiday season. But one mm-hmm. of the ones that I absolutely cannot stand is the Tim Allen Santa Claus movies. What? Yeah. I just mm-mm, can't do it. I, I can understand 
Santa Claus 3 because that one was a little hokey. <laughs> They're all hokey but I, to me. <laughs> I loved it. I absolutely, well, and, and I'll be honest, like, I was that kid who wanted to be Santa Claus when he grew up, too, you know? So, like, when that movie came out, I loved it for that reason because it's like, mm-hmm. like, anyone could be Santa if they just pushed him off the roof. Like, I am doing it. <laughs> I've spent my, I've spent most of the time since cultivating the body that would allow me to be Santa. <laughs> right. If the rest of my hair will go, uh, will go white and then my beard will come in a little bit more full, uh, I, I think I've, I can make a pretty good case, pretty we strong resume. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I just I it never clicked it never clicked with me. Um I I story, I don't know, it all kind of sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, you know, and, and we can't all like the same thing and everything. But I know for no. me like it's it's definitely still a big part. Like even though I just said these are three, you know, Christmas mm-hmm. movies I absolutely love. Um, the Santa Claus is also up how, there too. How do you feel about the Grinch that stole Christmas? The what? the original like animated one? I mean, it's it's a classic in the sense mm-hmm. that everybody watched it growing up and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's interesting that since then, we've had three versions that came out. And so we never had like an updated version between the one that came out like in the 50s, right? And then mm-hmm. the first one that came out, like was it the Jim Carrey version one that yeah. came out first? Yeah. And so, um, and then after that, then we had like a new Benedict Cumberbatch one. And then I think another one out there too, right? I think those are the only two. My, the here's, only two? Here's, here's my hot take. Here's my hot take about the Grinch who stole Christmas. Yeah. Okay? Um, people always debate about whether, like, what's better, the book or the movie. Mm-hmm. And the first animated Grinch who stole Christmas, right. I think, is a prime example of like the movie being better than the book because right. the book is is obviously a classic, but the Boris Karloff's narration mm-hmm. and then the and then the music that's right. in the movie is so iconic now mm-hmm. that it's, it's, it's almost like the movie has become more, the, you know, the short, the 30 minute movie has, has become right. more iconic than the, than the actual. The book. Oh yeah. I mean, most people yeah. watch the movie and hardly ever read the book with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, for that reason, just like you said, the narration was great and the, and the song, you know, that wasn't in the book, but definitely inspired by the book is now a popular holiday song. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, getting back to the to the thing that we just talked about, Home Alone two, was it yeah. great or were we eight? Oh man, it was great. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> still is, still is. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay, so, so we're gonna before we play a game, uh, Sean. Mm-hmm. Actually, you had some people who responded on uh, social media with some of their was it great or were there eight their favorite um, their favorite things from. Christmas pass. Yeah, definitely. So we had some people that responded to our Instagram story that we posted a while back. And uh, Tony Schaub from Instagram, and his username is, you know, just spell like his name, T-O-N-Y-S-C-H-A-A-B. Shout out to Tony because he's our favorite. He's our favorite um, Comic-Con uh, like event host. He right. Was the, he was the guy that hosted the the trivia and the spelling bee. Right. At, uh, at PopCon in Indiana. Right. Yeah, so he shared that his favorite um, thing about the holidays growing up is watching Christmas Story movie. So I don't know <laughs> how you'll I'll, feel about that. I have to get back to you, Tony. <laughs> right, uh, Elizabeth Lambert, who was a guest on our show not too long ago, um, her Instagram uh, uh, name is little dot lasagna l i z z a g n a. 
And she said that hers was something called Popple, which is an alternative to Care Bears, which, to be honest, I've never heard of before. So I had to look I'm looking up. it up on the Internet. Yeah. And it looks like something from the mid 80s. Um, I think they were like it was like a, a plush that could like fold in on itself. So it would be like maybe like hunched over in a hug and then the arms would pop out and and it would be more. um yeah, they like folded in on themselves. They like came mm-hmm. like it made it look like they were in their own pouch, like a kangaroo. Right. Yeah. I just, I just, when I looked it up, I never remember seeing this sort of thing. So I'm going to tell you right now, um, creepy as all get out, to be honest. <laughs> very, very creepy. Um, so, so, Again, um, Liz, were we eight? Was, it gra- was it great or were you eight? Um, you were eight. <laughs> And then our, our last response was from Ronnell Whitaker, and his username is the comic book teacher, all mm-hmm. one word. And he said his most memorable gift ever is something that you shared, mm-hmm. the Nintendo Entertainment System, NES. So when thank you all for sharing that. When when I got the NES, of course it came with the, the Duck Hunt gun and Super Mario Brothers and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Yep. So um I guess my dad must have told my grandfather in Kansas that we were getting the NES. And so he <laughs> sent us a game and I guess my dad didn't realize that's what it's for. Right. Uh, like didn't realize that that what was, that's what was in it. And we ended up opening that on Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. it was Pac-Man and we got Pac-Man for the Nintendo. We're like, we don't even have a Nintendo. <laughs> and Nice. Yeah. <laughs> then we got one the next morning from, mm-hmm. from Santa Claus. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to play a little game now. And we've already mentioned a couple of the toys on this because they are legendary toys. Mm -hmm. But what I did is I looked back at the most popular toys um, from the era that we spent as children. Uh, I was born in 82. You were born in 84. Mm -hmm. So I did the the 15 years between 86 and um, 2000. And we're going to play a game called Had It, Wanted It, or Hated It. All right. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to name the, I'm going to tell you the year I'm going to name the toy or I'll, I'll maybe see if you can guess the toy. Okay. Um, that was the most popular. And then we'll talk about whether or not we had it, we wanted it or we hated it. It's pretty, it's like, uh, was it kiss, Mary kill? <laughs> right. Uh, like what they played in Spider-Man homecoming. Yeah. 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 So yeah. had it, wanted it, hated it. So starting in 1986. And are we doing every year or just, a few we're going to, I was going to go through this real quick. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so nineteen eighty six to two thousand when we were when we were children. I I turned eighteen in two thousand uh-huh. um, and and graduated high school. So okay. I guess the Christmas of two thousand I would have been a freshman in college. Gotcha. Um, I was still pretty immature, <laughs> so I still play. I mean, I'm forty now and I still play with toys. Right. <laughs> nineteen eighty six. Teddy Ruxpin uh, had it. And it was okay. pretty creepy, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's gonna fall. That's gonna fall into wanted it territory uh, for me because Terry Ruxpin was legit cool right. uh, at the time, um, but was just out of our price range, especially with as many kids as we had in my family. Right. Um, so always wanted one, not willing to spend the money to like, like buy into that nostalgia now. Right. Uh, Nineteen eighty-seven. The Koosh Ball. Uh, had it. <laughs> I think so, too. I yeah. think I had a Koosh Ball, too. They were yeah. pretty inexpensive because... They were cheap, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little rubber ball. Um, right. But they were fun to play with. And, uh, you know, from what from what we know now about um, 
like textures and the way we interact with things like that was mm-hmm. that probably played a big reaction because of the novelty of like the little tentacles and things like that right um 1988 the nintendo entertainment system had it yeah. who did it <laughs> loved it yeah yeah could you imagine oh, yeah. like being a kid back then that didn't have an nes I know. Well, and I remember my cousins had it, I think, for a year or two before I eventually got it. And so mm-hmm. I remember wanting to always go to their house to play it for that reason. But we eventually got one. So, yeah, I know. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend tell me a story one time. I'm not going to mention any names, but like his neighbors got a Nintendo like before they did. And they really loved playing it. And they would go over there and play all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, one time he wanted to go over and play Nintendo, but um, his his friends weren't there. His neighbor wasn't there. So he snuck into his friend's like bedroom window and just sat in the, their bedroom and played Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And then his friend's mom came home and they were, he was just sitting in there playing Nintendo. His friend's mom came home. He's like, uh, what are you doing? So yeah, like he was, he was like 10 years old and like breaking and entering to play Nintendo. <laughs> nice. So I think that alone cements its legendary status. Right. Right. Uh, 1989. You want to guess what the follow-up to Nintendo was? Was it Super Nintendo? No, not, no, not quite I mean, that didn't, take, that didn't come out until a while. Like uh, 91 or 92. Yeah, I'm not sure. The Game Boy. Oh, my gosh, the Game Boy. The yes. Game Boy. Had it. I did not have it. We I had a lot of siblings. Everybody could play the Nintendo at home. Right. When you play the Game Boy, like, they, weren't, they weren't buying into that. Right. Well, and if you wanted to play together or whatever, you had to buy a second Game Boy and the connecting mm-hmm. cable. But yeah, I, ha- I had that. And one of my favorite games playing on the Game Boy was Super Mario 3 and Home Alone. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the th- I-, I wanted the Game Boy, mm-hmm. but I hated everybody that had one <laughs> because of it. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that was when it was in light green and dark green. <laughs> yeah. 1990. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, my gosh. Like, what? Just in general? Had it, yeah. Like the action figures, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, in Target was reselling those nostalgic Turtles uh, toys Mm -hmm. at the stores where, you remember, like, when they came in, like, with the little... Uh, square orange mm-hmm. uh, things where you had like twist off their mm-hmm. weapons and stuff like that. They were selling those again. Oh, nice for our group. <laughs> I have a, a throwback Ninja Turtle that is like the comic book version action figure, and it's um, oh nice. It's signed. It's signed by Kevin Eastman, the person who created the Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have any of my original like Ninja Turtles. Right. Um, yeah. Now, one of the pluses to having a lot of siblings is that my brother Kyle, um, when he turned six in the summer of 1990, mm-hmm. um, he got like nearly all of the toys for his birthday. Right. So like I had a jump on, on playing with him. Uh, I think he had all four Ninja Turtles and we had Casey Jones and Master Splinter mm-hmm. and maybe Mr. Shredder. And April uh, O'Neil. Sh- uh, I don't know that we had April O'Neil. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Um, but speaking of April O'Neil, like I was mad in love with the cartoon version of April O'Neil. Um, Every boy until, was. <laughs> uh, until Rogue came along. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was my lady in yellow. Right. Um, I remember like going to the skating rink and they had the Ninja Turtles pinball machine. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And she's featured prominently on the oh, yeah. on the artwork. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I loved April O'Neil. Did, did you have the Turtles van? 
growing up? We didn't have the Turtles van. Uh, okay. I want to say that the reason why we had so many of the action figures is because they were birthday presents from people who came to his birthday party. Right. Um, and he was his birthday is in the middle of July, so he got to have a birthday party that year. Mm-hmm. And my birthday is um, at the end of August. And so between July of that year and September uh, of that year is when my, my parents got married in September of that year. Okay, and, gotcha. Um, and I was eight, and I turned eight that year, and I didn't get the birthday party, but it didn't bother me because, like, Kyle had already had the Ninja Turtles, and we right. played together. Like, he had to, like, he needed to play with somebody. We played together. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I I had a jump start on them, so I I had those and loved those. Still, still to this day, love those. Right. Nineteen ninety one. This was a fad. Okay. Okay. Nineteen ninety one. Pogs. Um, <laughs> I think I technically had it, but I never was really into it. I think I yeah. had it because everybody else had it, but I was yep. never really. You had to have some so that you were cool, but mm. eh, I mean, I not even that. Like it was just like uh, everybody else played it, so I was like, yeah, might as well. But I, I remember we ended up getting Pogs, uh, banned from our school because at one point, and this was my class, I was responsible for it. I guess at one point somebody was playing for keeps and somebody had lost like their $50 slammer that they got uh-huh. in the game. So because they lost it in the game and everything, they, I guess the parents that found out that, you know, they lost it. They told the principal. And then the principal came out and said, pogs are no longer allowed at school because it's considered gambling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I still, to this day, am unsure that I know exactly how to play. Like if we were ever playing it the right way. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I, it, well, and, and what's interesting is I feel like Pokemon is, a, is some sort of version of that, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's yeah. I, I remember it and I remember having it and I just, it was more about collecting the discs and the slammers than it ever was about actually playing the game. Right. Because you could show them off. Right. Um, 1992, the height of the reign of the purple dinosaur talking Barney. Uh, I was never into it, but my brother Kenny loved Barney, so we probably had it. We probably had me. it. We can we can make fun of Kenny for it. <laughs> I love you, Kenny. Yeah, <laughs> we had to play it all the time because that's what he you know rocked out to. So yeah, yeah. My brothers, my younger brothers, were born in ninety one and ninety two, so there was a lot of Barney in our house. Right. I'm fairly certain one of those one of those guys had a Barney birthday cake at some point. Oh yeah, Kenny did. <laughs> Uh, 1993, the year after Home Alone came out, this toy was extremely popular. 1993 was the Talk Boy. You mean Home Alone 2 came out? Yeah, Home Alone 2, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, had it. <laughs> yeah. I did not have it, uh, and then once again, I hated everybody that did. Right. Well, and what I remember about the Talk Boy is, is, is I loved it, but apparently either they didn't make this version or there were two different versions of it. Because you know in the movie how there's like a slow version that you could play back in in slow uh mm-hmm. in slow speed my talk boy did not have that and for the longest time my dad and i were trying to figure out like how to mimic the slow speed and the closest thing my dad could figure out is why don't you just hold up against the tape because if you physically press against the tape it would slow down like how fast it would play and so we would mm-hmm. do that but it never actually got to the point where it slowed it down enough to make it sound like it was deeper mm-hmm. so yeah 1994, a new group of heroes has come onto the scene. Mm-hmm. You would have been 10 years old. You probably were big into this. Right. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. 
I definitely watched the show. I don't know if I ever actually bought any toys associated with it, but I watched the show and I played Power Rangers on the playground as a kid all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in 1994, I was 12. I was in the seventh grade. Uh-huh. I had two two younger brothers. One would have been three. One was two. Um, and at about that time, they were big into Power Rangers and started getting Power Ranger toys. And I was like, fart, I'm too old for this. <laughs> like, like they're not going to buy me Power Rangers and I really want Power Rangers. Right. Um, but uh, I loved I loved it. Like the show, it was always on TV as soon as we got off of the bus every day because um, my brothers were there watching it. So, yeah, Power Rangers was big time. I just right. I didn't have any personally. I wanted them. Right. Gotcha. Um, 1995. This craze was sweeping the nation and people were buying these up left and right because the one day they were going to be worth tons and tons of money. I'm talking about none other than Beanie Babies. <laughs> Uh, our family had it. I did not care for it. <laughs> yep. I, we had them and I hated them. Right. Yeah. Like the, my, my mom collected a few of them and, um, I couldn't stand them. They're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. <laughs> Followed following year. Tickle me Elmo. 1996. Oh my gosh. That was, and that was a popular toy for a long time too. Mm-hmm. Like well beyond 96. Didn't have it. I don't know if my younger brothers had it. Maybe they did, but I don't remember it. I, I feel like I never really caught on to that fad until I was in my adulthood, like post high school. So I remember it being a big deal and not understanding why it was such a big deal. I remember like <laughs> I remember like Jay Leno and stuff like making jokes and stuff about like yeah. the shortage of Tickle Me Elmo and stuff like that. So right, yeah. Um, that's one. Uh, that's one that. If I had to say it, I hated it. Like it, it just it never clicked with me. Right. Um. Nineteen ninety seven. Here we go. I'm in high school now. Yeah. Um. You've probably finally got hair under your arms. Uh. <laughs> which probably for the same. Like I'm. I was a late bloomer, so it's probably the same for me. I was about to say I. I was actually early bloomer, so I probably actually uh, had yeah. it before you did. <laughs> you, you like listen. You were probably two inches taller than me at this point as well. I was always tall uh, growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was probably five one in 1997 oh, and, so you, and you were probably six one already. I was, I was five one probably in fourth grade, <laughs> Yeah, third or fourth grade. Yeah. So, uh, 1997 Tamagotchi. The what? Tamagotchi. I never had it. I like don't think the, I've ever had it. The little digital egg that was like the digital pets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also I also like yeah, I was indifferent to the whole thing because it came yeah. along too far after. But here's the thing is it evolved the next year. The next year the most popular toy was also an interactive pet, but it was no longer like a digital LCD screen. It was a tiny little Furby. bird-faced gremlin that we know and love as Furby. <laughs> yeah. And we had it. My brother loved it. We named a dog after that cult. We had a dog named Furby. And I remember the uh, controversy around those was that some, and I don't know if this was true or not, but I remember, you know, you saw on the news that some people reported that they found cameras in there and that the Chinese <laughs> government was spying on. Oh, really? I'm, I'm no, going to look that. this up now. But yeah, like the Chinese government was spying on Americans because somebody found a camera inside of Furby. I remember that was a huge thing. So, yeah. 
<laughs> um, I didn't have a Furby. I don't think I like it was once again, like one of those things that was on the news and on on late night talk about the, the popularity and the people couldn't find them and people right. were fighting, fighting over them and things like that. I never understood any of it. Right. I will say that um, one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube now is um, Good Mythical Morning with Rhett and Link. And every mm-hmm. once in a while they have a... Um, a show where they try new and inventive ways to destroy a Furby. Um, they Sound like, like they hated it too. <laughs> they've like guillotined a Furby and stuff like that. They've done some really crazy fun things. Like oh, things that would, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, I Furbies, I didn't get, uh, right. uh, I didn't hate it, but, um, I didn't, I didn't get it. <laughs> right. Uh, 1999. Gotta catch them all. Pokemon. Pokemon. I was never into Pokemon. Never. Never yeah. into Pokemon. Uh, my younger brothers were, and a lot of that stuff bled into my consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I still remember a handful of like Pokemon uh, things, about uh, stuff about Pokemon. Uh, right. I have a, a younger brother that looks like a Snorlax, mm-hmm. um, which is the giant like soft teddy bear. Right. Um, and then... I can't remember if it was around that time or shortly after that the Pokemon Stadium came out for um, the Nintendo 64. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I loved. I loved playing Pokemon Stadium because all the mini games in it were were great. And and you could plug four controllers into a Nintendo 64 and play with all your siblings. Oh, yeah. That was like the huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I loved that. So Pokemon, um, I didn't have like cards or anything, but that's Mm -hmm. uh, I did have like the the, one of the video games. Uh, We didn't have Game Boy, so we never had any of the the classic Pokemon video games. Yeah. And I I don't think my brothers were ever into it. If, If any of them were, it may have been my youngest brother, Luke, but uh, I just remember it was it was never really a thing around our house, but I mean Riley loves playing Pokemon, so of course I'm learning a little bit more about Pokemon now. But and and it's managed to stay in the consciousness of pop culture for 20 plus years and evolve right. into other things. And yeah, so yeah, that's one of the ones one of the things I wish might have died off sooner sooner, but um, it's still going strong. Right. Last one, tier two thousand. Mm-hmm. We're we're both. I'm 18. You're 16. Um, we probably neither one of us had this, but we might have both wanted it, and that was the Razor scooter. I had one. You had one. I had one. I, I don't know if I had it that year. Could you do cool tricks? Uh, this one. Can I ask a question? How yeah. did your big ass ride a Razor scooter? <laughs> I, I like that. I just seems like the most that seems like the most comical thing to watch a six foot seven dude ride a tiny little Razor scooter. <laughs> I mean, I had to um, hunch over a little bit, but I mean, it 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 extended up pretty far up. So, um, and I only I didn't get it when it came out, but I got it. I think my senior year in high school, so it would have been around. I graduated in two thousand three, so I would have had it in two thousand two because I would actually I was um, not the mascot for our our football team, but I was one of the spirited people that would like paint themselves up and everything. And, and me and my buddy would be like one of the front people that like really got the audience riled up and everything. And I remember having the razor scooter go up and down the track just to like go up and down the bleachers <laughs> all the time. So like, that's what I use it for primarily nothing else. So okay, yeah. a few, a few questions. Number yeah. one, what was your high school mascot? Uh, well at the time it's rebels. Now I think they're called the Royals <laughs> because, oh, okay. um, because my high school, has a little bit of a of a racist history, so 
Okay, um, that's a different conversation. Yeah, I yeah. just think that <laughs> I just think that you would be a great high school mascot. Like if you put you in a in a like a suit for like the grizzly bears or whatever, it would be like <laughs> right. That's an intimidating looking thing. But here's the thing: now that you've mentioned that you've had a scooter, and yeah. I want to see you ride one. Um, so I have two ideas. Number one is I think you should get one and do some scooter riding for our TikTok channel um, because good. I think that would be really popular. But then I want to buy you a Razor scooter and a Chewbacca costume so that <laughs> we can go to Comic-Cons and you can be Scoobacca. It's got to be one of the motorized ones, though, so that way I can, like, do... <laughs> How awesome would it be to see, like, you cruising, like, a um, a convention floor yeah. as Chewbacca on a Razor scooter? <laughs> Like, forget the Millennium Falcon. This is how I get around the galaxy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Let's do it. We got to do it. When we finally get over to San Diego Comic-Con, we yeah. need to, like, invest the money to do that. You'll be Scoobaka, and yeah. um, I'll I'll do some sort of um, play on Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah, we'll figure that out. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. So, Christmas Guys, uh, you know, we got, only got a few days left of this of this year, 2021. Christmas mm-hmm. is upon us. Uh, it's always fun to to look back at where you've been before uh, we go forward. And uh, Chris, looking back on the Christmas of our childhood, I mean, it's hard to get together now and not think about, hey, you remember that one Christmas <laughs> with your family? Right. And, and Sean and I have probably both been in the situation where now, like, we look back and, hey, you remember that that one Christmas where um, our so-and-so got mad and stormed out? <laughs> <laughs> because right. as an adult, your 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 memories kind of shift from the toy that you got to the argument that you got into. Right. Um, but, man, this was fun to think about the things that we had as kids and to think about uh, how, like, you can look back and, and see how the world has changed based on the the toys and stuff that we got and how how all of that stuff evolved. It's, it's super interesting. And, uh, this was a fun, fun little exercise. Mm-hmm. I got an idea for next year's episode. Okay. Um, we didn't talk about Die Hard. Right. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's a big debate about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast, come back 24 episodes from now, December, <laughs> December of 2022, we're going to talk about our favorite favorite movies that are set at Christmas, but aren't about Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and we'll do the definitive podcast on, on that. And, and Die Hard will be a part of it. Right. Okay? Yep. Sounds good. That wraps up another episode of The Caption Life. We hope you'd enjoyed listening to this one. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, other social media, at Caption Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out, tag us in your posts, ask us a question, leave us a review. Uh, we, we love the fan interaction. Uh, for more info about us and all of our previous episodes, please visit thecaptionlife.com. And until next time, Merry Christmas. Have a happy holiday. Oh, oh, you, oh. you filthy animal. <laughs>